0: Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. And, uh, but I'm coming, uh, like Pastor said, you, you know, I'm not coming to waste your time. I'm not coming to waste my time. Uh, I may be a little lower uh, this weekend just because I, I, I have been on the road every week since the second week of february and uh and the only time that i have off i was telling her the only time i have off uh the next week that i have off to stay stay at home with my family is going to be when i get back from india and that's at the end of july so i'll be gone every week since uh since mid-february we're preaching the gospel we're seeing a lot of people get saved and we're seeing a lot of miracles happening I actually just flew in. I'm still on European time. And so I flew in. So for me, it's really like uh, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning right now. And I just flew in from the Netherlands. And uh, it was the first time that I'd ever, uh, first time I ever went back to Europe. I was born in Europe, but it was the first time I ever went back uh, to preach the gospel. And it was to the Dutch people. And I'll tell you what. They were hungry for a move of God, and we've seen God do so many tremendous things while we were there, and uh, I'm going to have to get a little uh, use, uh, you know, I'm going to have to get back to uh, preaching without an interpreter because you pause all the time, you know? And so it gave me time to look at my notes and gather my thoughts. But uh, the last Sunday, the Sunday morning service when I was there, there was this lady, you know, Pastor Jonathan said something about signs and wonders and miracles happening while The preaching of the word is going on. And let me tell you, that is so true that a lot of people will receive their healing or their breakthrough right in the middle of the message. Because when the power of God goes out and when you speak God's word, something just begins to happen in the atmosphere. And God's word has the power to break any attack of the enemy uh, uh, that's on your life. And so there was this one lady who came up to me after the service with, with a translator, of course, and she said, while you were preaching, she said, I came into the service, and my arm, she's, it was in so much pain all the way down my arm, all the way through my wrist. And she, she gave a, a condition that she had and what they had diagnosed her with, but she said she was in constant pain. But she said, while the Word of God was being preached, she said, like halfway through the service, that she felt fire. Uh, she felt like a fire on her arm and it just wouldn't go away. And she said, it slowly started at, at her shoulder, all the way down her arm into her wrist. And she said, before the service was over, she said, every pain and discomfort that she had in her arm was completely gone. And she says, I know that the Lord has touched me and that the Lord has healed me. And I told her to remain in that spirit of faith. Because, you know, the enemy oftentimes tries to come back later and try to say that things have never happened. And so, but I told her to remain in that spirit of faith. And so while we were over in in the Netherlands, my eyes were open to a lot of things. And uh, I realized, you know, sometimes you stay in America for so long or, you know, even here in, in, in Canada, it's North America all in all. But whether it be in Canada or whether it be in America we live in in a we're blessed to live where we live and we have a lot of freedoms that a lot of people uh don't have all over the world so i'm thankful that we can still serve god uh you know openly without you know of course some people are probably gonna criticize you and uh you know say that we're closed-minded to believe that jesus is the only way we're not closed-minded we're just Bible believing people because Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life and no man comes unto the Father except through me and uh, you know when I was coming through the border just a little while ago uh the the border agent or whatever your customs officer uh was asking me why why are you coming into Canada and so thank you for that letter of invitation because they always give me a problem and I always have to give them a letter of invitation from the church that I'm coming and I handed it to him and he said, well, why are they bringing you here to speak in Canada if you live in America? How do, you, how do you know the pastor there? How did you guys get connected? And I told him, I went to Bible college with him. And he says, how long have you known him? And I said, for, you know, well over 20 years, almost 20 years that we've known each other. And, um, and so he said, well, what are you going to be preaching about? And I said, what am I going to be preaching about? I said, you know, uh, preaching about Jesus, preaching about the salvation and healing and, the fire, you know, I didn't say the fire of the Holy Ghost, but I said the Holy Spirit. My son goes to a Baptist school, and I went to go pick him up one day, and, uh, well, he went to a Baptist school. We quickly got him out of there, but uh, the teacher, I walked in to go pick him up one day, and the teacher's like, well, I think he's, you know, he was trying to talk to me about something, and I think he was like, you know, I don't think he was using the right words, and, 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 you know, I said, well, what was he talking about? She's like, well, he kept talking about the Holy Ghost and he kept talking about fire. And so I, she, I think he was, I said, no, he wasn't confused. He was talking about the fire of the Holy Ghost. And so my son's the type of kid that goes into school and lays hands on, on the kids that are sick. And one day the teacher told me, she said, well, we had to talk to Matthew today. He was putting his hands on people. And I said, putting his hands on people. Now, you know, I, I don't want my kid to be hitting anybody or, you know, my son is six years old, and my son comes up to hear on me. I was preaching at a Mexican church, you know, and I was trying to explain to them how big my son was. And I said, well, my son's probably the size of, uh, of an adult Mexican male. And so, but uh, my son's big. And so, you know, I don't want him to hit anybody. You walk into the class, he stands here, and everybody else is like Josiah's size, you know, like small. And, uh, and I said, well, I said, I'm sorry for him hitting people. She's like, no, he wasn't hitting people. He was like putting his hands on people and he was praying for them. I said, well, I'm not gonna reprimand my son for that. I said, you know, we believe on the laying on of hands. And so I'm glad that my son at the age of six has an understanding about the laying on of hands. And uh, when I preach, if I were here today, and when I uh, pray for people and lay hands on people, he would most likely run up from his seat and start laying hands on people with me. And you know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, your kid shouldn't be up there. No, I want my kid by my side. Because I want to teach him in the ways of God. I want him to understand that there's nothing that we could ever face in life that the power of God is not able to take care of. Can somebody say amen? And so I told uh, the customs, I didn't forget, I I told the customs patrol officer that I was coming to preach the gospel, and he said, well, you're just coming to preach Bible, right? Stuff out of the Bible? I said, yeah. I think he he was probably wondering if I was gonna preach anything on like government issues or anything like that but that's not what I'm gonna do and uh, but I I may but who knows he didn't have to know about it but uh, but anyway so we've had an incredible year 2018 and many doors have opened up to us uh, this year Uh, I feel like I can take a little bit of my time because this is like home to me and uh, but uh, how many of you remember when I went to the nation of India I mentioned that I was going to India, so the last two years I've been to India, And uh, the last time that I was there, I got to preach to a church on a Sunday morning that had 10,000 people in the service. And uh, I remember going to pray for somebody in the service. They had this barrier in front of the pulpit, and then they had another barrier in front of the first barrier. And I thought to myself, well, how am I going to lay hands on that lady that I just called out? So I did what any normal person would do. I hopped the first barrier, and then I jumped over the second barrier, and I went to go lay hands on the lady. But here's where it got me. When I went to go lay hands on her, like 2,000 people stood to their feet and they rushed the altar. And the workers had to come and get me and literally throw me back over the barrier. And they said, that barrier is there for your protection. And I said, what in the world is going on? They're like, well, the people have so much faith. They believe that if they just, you know, touch the man of God that's preaching, they believe that they'll get their healing. And I thought to myself, I said, I want that same fire and that same faith that they have to get on the inside of me so that I could bring this back to America and bring it back to Canada. Because how many of us know that we need a mighty move of the Holy Ghost in our nation? And I believe God, you know... I don't believe that the enemy is gonna have the upper hand you know I hear a lot of people you know if you're if you're in the States you'll hear people say well the devil's got complete control in Canada if you're in Canada I've even heard some people say well the devil's got complete control of the United States and the people that are there but let me tell you what America and Canada does not belong to the devil America and Canada belongs to the Holy Ghost can somebody say amen and so I believe that when before Christ comes back We're going to experience a mighty revival here uh, in in North America. And while I was there, you know, I remember preaching one time in New Brunswick, Canada, and there was a young gentleman in one of my services that got saved out in the boondocks of New Brunswick, Campbellton, New Brunswick. And he was actually there visiting his father, uh, visiting his father on a trip. And so when he got saved uh, under our ministry years ago, he asked me, he said, well, I, I live you know, I live in Toronto, and I'm looking for a good church in Toronto. Do you know of anybody or of any good churches uh, that are in, that's in the Toronto area? And I told them, I said, I know of one church. I think I had been here prior to that, but I said, I do know of one church. I have two friends that, you know, pastor, that are pastors at a church uh, in Toronto, and so I told them to come here to Western Road Pentecostal Church, and uh, it's still Western Road Pentecostal, right? My church was Charleston Pentecostal Church, but now they changed it to Charleston Church, so I didn't know if you did the same thing. But I sent him here to, uh, to this church, and he came, and, I'm, and he's still here, right? He moved to Brantford now, but it was Aaron. And so Aaron came here, and I'm glad that he got plugged, he got plugged into the church, and his faith only grew stronger and stronger and stronger. And so you see, both of our ministries, Household of Faith, And Weston Road did something uh, both work together and some of you probably didn't even know that but we worked together we I brought in the harvest and then Weston Road did the discipling and you did a good job because he's still living for the Lord can somebody say amen and so I'm excited about what God's gonna do here uh, here in these next few days I believe that things are gonna break off of people's lives I believe some of you may be believing for some things in your life to happen. Well, guess what? God's in the business of making things happen in your life. And so the Bible says, Jesus said, ask anything in my name and that will I do. And another translation, it says, uh, I think it's in the revised edition, it says, if I don't have what you ask me for, Jesus said, then I'll make it happen. And so I believe God's going to make some things happen in your life this weekend. Can somebody say amen? And so it's going to be powerful services. And so... In the next few months I'll be going uh, to the nation of Cuba for the first time to go and preach just got back from the Netherlands we're going to Cuba and then we're going back to India to go preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and so God has been good just to you know people say that the preaching of God's Word doesn't do anything but I've realized in the last 15 years that when you preach God's Word it still draws in the lost and it still heals the sick, because God said, I'll watch over my word to perform it. And so a lot of people don't see things happening in, say, in their ministries. Why? Because they're not preaching the word of God. But once we get back to the word of God, in nothing but the word of God, you know, I believe that's when we'll start to see things happen, not only in our lives, not only in our ministries, but we'll, we'll begin to see things happen in our community. And so, like Pastor Jonathan said, this is The first time that I've been here since the last time, uh, you know, the the church is brand new. The last time I was here, they still had that orange-colored carpet here. Praise the Lord. Then now you have some beautiful carpet here and uh, beautiful white walls. uh, But I remember, you know, when I was here, I told them, I said, you know, this is only, and I actually said it in front of the church, I said, this is not the vision. This is only the platform to see the vision come to completion. And so I remember telling Pastor Jonathan, it just hit me while I was sitting there, that I said, wait until this new, uh, you know, the remodeling happens. You're not even going to be able to fill uh you know everybody that wants to come in here this place is going to be packed out and i believe that and, and who knows maybe not sort not, not saying that you'll sell this place but it could be used for the youth group and then the church just moves into a bigger place and so don't ever underestimate what god wants to do i think a lot of times we keep god in the box but god is too big too big to be put in the box can somebody say amen and so but today you know i didn't come to preach you know j- Pastor Jonathan said once the microphone is mine, you know, I I can go ahead and preach. And he said, and he'll preach. And so the problem I had when I first got in the ministry was I could say everything that I had to say in 10 minutes. And now my wife says that I don't know how to shut up. She says, you just keep on talking. And, uh, And it's true, I just keep on talking. I love to preach God's word. And, uh, but you know, oftentimes when I preach, I never get to my first point, second point, third point. I finish off at the end of the introduction and uh, I feel like it's going to be one of those nights tonight. But anyway, how many of you have your Bibles with you today? I'm going to ask you whether you got to open it up or turn it on either way. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Psalms chapter 27 and verses 13, Psalms chapter 27 verse 13. And as you're turning there, I'm only going to read one verse. But as you're turning there, I just want to say this. I want to take some time to acknowledge Pastor Jonathan and his wife and, uh, and all the work that they're doing around here. And, uh, you know, and, and I say this, and I mean this, Jonathan, that uh, you know, if there's any one of my friends that I'm so proud of after they've graduated Bible college and gone into the ministry, I would say Jonathan has to be right at the top of that list because you know, God's using him to do tremendous things and he knew what god called him to do he wasn't one of those that you know graduated bible college and said well you know i got so much debt probably in bible college that i'm just going to go and get a part-time job and then you know a lot of times people never get into the full-time ministry but i'm so proud of your pastor he's a great man of god and i just believe this church is going to go the furthest that it's ever gone in history And I believe the Lord's going to use my friend, Jonathan. I'm not ashamed to say he's my friend. And he's going to use this this church, this building, and the individuals that come in here to make an impact for the kingdom of God here in the North York area. Can somebody say amen? Amen. And so today I want to read out of Psalms chapter 27, verse 13. I'm only going to read one verse. And this is David who writes this. And he writes, Yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Let me read that again. It's out of the New Living Translation that that I read that. He said, yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. If there's one thing that I could say honestly in the last couple of months that the Lord has really been showing me and speaking to me, it's been one particular word and the word that he's been speaking to me is the word Expectation and as the Lord was speaking to me and talking to me about Expectation he opened my eyes to see that what we experience in life is Directly connected to what we expect to see happen in our lives if you expect to see the Lord's goodness if you expect to see the protection of God's hand over your life then that's what you're going to experience. Even in those times where unexpected things happen, when you have an expectation that God is always looking out for you and that the hand of God is always protecting you, even when the enemy comes in suddenly to try to destroy you, the hand of God will always be there to protect you and to lift you up over everything that the enemy has planned against you. For example, when I crossed the border today, and I could say this was probably primarily my fault. But as I was crossing the border today, I was on the, on the highway there right over the border. What is that, the 40, 403? I was driving on the 403. And it was right before I crossed that big bridge. And as I was getting ready to cross the bridge, probably you know maybe a mile or two miles before it, I, I kind of got distracted for a little bit. And I looked down towards the the floor of my car. But it was probably like a one-second or a two-second distraction. I I called my wife up, you know, maybe like 10 minutes after until I calmed down. But uh, when I looked up, I saw myself going straight into this SUV. And without even thinking, I swerved my vehicle so hard that when I swerved going about 70 to 75 miles an hour, I literally felt, all four vehicles, all four tires on my vehicle lift up off of the ground. And I slammed back into the pavement and swerved the wheel again. And I told my wife, it was only the hand in the protection of God that was upon me. Because I don't know how that vehicle did not flip. The last thing that my, my wife needed to hear was that her husband had got into a car accident on the 403. But I knew there's been many things that I've experienced in life and experienced in my ministry. But I've never experienced the divine protection of God in such a way like I did today. And I'm thankful for that because I have an expectation that regardless of what the enemy may try to send my way, I expect God to always be there for me. And for God to always protect me I believe at that moment in time that God released his angels around my vehicle and protected me I'm constantly praying you know you you get into a a lot of Christian circles and they think you're you're a fruit loop if you start talking about angels but angels are very real and every day I try to release angels around my life and around my home and around my vehicle for the protection of the Lord upon us angels back in the day you know we read in the bible angels were a common thing when P, when they were praying for peter's release in the, from prison and uh peter peter got released from prison or escaped from prison the angel of the lord showed him how to escape and when he got to the people's house who were praying for him right What happened was the young girl opened the door up, and she was in such shock that Peter was at the door. Now, they were praying that the Lord would free Peter out of jail. So when she sees Peter at the door, at the entrance of of, of the door, she kind of got shocked and shut the door in his face and went back into the house and said, Peter is at the door. And they're like, woman, you talk like a mad lady. You know, it's probably not Peter but it's probably uh peter's angel that appeared to you at the door so they believed in angels but it got me thinking these people were praying they weren't really believing what they were praying because when she came and said that peter was at the door they automatically doubted and so that's what happens with a lot of people sometimes they pray but yet they don't believe what they're praying they know the right words to say they know how to say it; they know what to pray but when it comes to believing, they really don't believe. Well, I'm trying to believe. Well, when you try to believe, you know what you're really doing? You're walking in unbelief. Don't just try to believe, just believe the word of God. And so every time I read God's word, I take it to mean it exactly what it says. So when David said, I am confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord while I'm in the land of the living, not only was he saying that, not only was that written in the scripture, for David's benefit but that was also written for our benefit who would read that very same verse years later and so today you can say just like David that I'm confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord while I'm in the land of the living I ex- and you should have an expectation that every time you gather together as believers in God's house that it's not gonna be another normal or regular Sunday I say this everywhere I go but I look at the church bulletins. they give me a bulletin as soon as I enter the sanctuary and because I don't want to sound like a jerk, I, I take the bulletin I don't well I'm the guest speaker I don't need it. you know I just take the bulletin and I read through the bulletin. my mom's church th- still does that. I don't know if this place does it, but my, no, you guys don't do it, but my mom's church still does it. very old school. you know they need to keep up with the times and just put everything up on the screen. can somebody say amen to that and so but When I look at the bulletins, when I look at next Sunday or whatever they have their midweek service, what it says is we're going to have our normal order of services. We're going to have our regular Sunday morning praise and worship or our regular morning morning service or or regular evening services. But when we gather together as God's people, we should never expect that every gathering is just going to be another normal service or a regular service. But we should have an expectation of the Word of God that's being preached and believe that this Sunday or this Wednesday or whatever other day you may have service, we should have an expectation that that's going to be the time for our thing from our God. Can somebody say amen? And so David said, I'm confident that I I will see the goodness of the Lord while I'm in the land of the living. But the truth is this, in life, a lot of people, even in the church, we have been conditioned in life just to believe that struggles and downfalls are just the norm of everyday living. And many people have, have been raised with a mindset that says, well, before it gets any better, it's just gonna get worse. But today I wanna show you, according to the Word of God, that your story doesn't need to be like everybody else's story. Because if you will stick to the Word of God in your life and you will follow through with what God has to say tonight, I've come to tell you as God's servant that you can experience victory over every situation that you find yourself in. You see, a lot of people say, well, you know, we're going to go. There was an old song that we used to sing, the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. And let me tell you this, God is God wherever you may be in life. But a lot of people take that song to mean, well, we need to expect to go through the valleys of life. But my friend, let me encourage you today. Don't expect to go through the valleys of life, but have an expectation that the God that you serve, He is more than able and willing to give you mountaintop experience from mountaintop experience. Can somebody say amen? Because the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 28 that you are above only and you're never beneath. Can somebody say amen? You see, God's intention for you was not for you. God's intention was never for you to struggle in this life. But God's intention for you was that you would encounter victory in every situation that you may find yourself in. But the truth is this. You can choose to believe that struggles will never cease to happen in your life. And if you, you know, if you believe that you're going to encounter struggles all the days of your life, then guess what? The enemy will accommodate your speech because his purpose, the Bible says, is to steal, to kill, and destroy. And what I've noticed, especially within the body of Christ, I hear a lot of people talking, you want to see, you know, you want to see where people's faith are at? then just let them speak for a little bit because you'll be able to tell exactly where they're at. And you know, one of the biggest problems that I had when I first got into the ministry or one of the things that I really didn't quite understand is that not everybody is at the same level in their walk with the Lord. Not everybody is at the same level of faith as as I am or somebody else is at. We're all at different levels of faith. And so my, my problem was I expected people to be you know, at least be at the same level of faith that I was at. And I realized that when I had that mindset and had that mentality, that it sounded like I was coming off and, like, condemning people and judging people. But that's never my intention. But I've been doing this now for 15 years, and now you understand. It's not, you know, not everybody is at the same level. But regardless of whatever level they may be at, understand God has more for you. God, you know, God's intention was not to take you through seasons of life and then say, well, you're only, only going to get this far and then you're going to remain stuck. No, God's purpose was not for you to remain stuck in life, but God's purpose was for you to go higher and higher in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? And what I've realized is that the devil does a good job trying to convince people that God is behind all the misery and hurt that they may face in life. But I've come to tell you today that God is not against you. The Bible says God is actually for you. The Bible says for this purpose the Son of God was manifested. Why? So that he might destroy the works of the enemy. And he came to destroy the works of the enemy so that you as a child of God can live in the abundant life that God has to offer you today. And so understand that when challenges and unexpected events happen in your life, you don't have to be pulled under by the troubled waters of life. But if you, will line up your, if you will line up your thinking to the Word of God, then today, beginning tonight, you can walk on every troubled water of life and you can come out victorious in the name of Jesus. Because listen, when you, when you walk in obedience to the Word of God, And line up your mindset to the Word of God you need to understand that God didn't give us the Bible so that it could collect dust on our coffee table no but God's Word is actually our instructional manual in life so that we can always come out on top in the name of Jesus now listen I'm not saying that you're never going to encounter any battles or oppositions in life but through those battles and oppositions my friend you don't have to struggle Because the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, I believe, 15, verse 57, that Jesus Christ always gives us the victory. Can somebody say amen? Now, I'm sure that we've all, including me, we've all encountered battles, uh, encountered our own personal battles in life. And maybe you're in the middle of a situation right now. Maybe you're in the middle of a battle right now. But just like God told Paul, he said, my grace... Is sufficient for you now God wasn't telling Paul that his grace was there to help him live with whatever what was troubling him in life no that's not what God was telling Paul a lot of people you know may think well you know the grace of God is there to help you deal with this condition in your life but listen God didn't send Jesus so that Jesus could help us deal and learn how to live with the situation in our life. No, Jesus came so that he could destroy the works of the enemy and we can overcome and overpower this thing that has come against us in the name of Jesus. So God wasn't telling Paul, hey listen, my grace is there so, it can, so that you can learn to live with this thing. No, God was telling Paul, my grace is there in your life so that it will empower you to overcome this thing in your life once and for all name of jesus and i believe what god is doing here this weekend and especially for those of you that are here tonight because you're the ones that are receiving the word and so i believe what god is doing tonight is he's releasing a grace upon you tonight to overcome whatever it is that has been troubling you in your life because no matter who you are no matter what your title may be in life whether it be a doctor whether you be pastor whether you be evangelist you know what i've learned everybody has something that requires the grace and the power of god to overcome you see david what he, he he had the grace of god to overcome goliath for shadrach meshach and abednego it was the fiery furnace And even Jesus, by the grace of God, which empowered him and enabled him, he overcame death, hell, and the grave. And over 2,000 years later, after Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave, God is releasing a grace upon us tonight as a child of the living God, living in a new and a better covenant. God is releasing a grace upon us so that we can walk out with the victory in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Because you need to understand when Jesus walked out with the victory, you and I automatically inherited that same victory. But just because we have the victory right now, it doesn't mean that we're not going to encounter any resistance in our life. See, throughout the Bible, every victory from Genesis to Revelation, every victory that God's people saw came with resistance from an enemy. Paul encountered resistance in his life moses encountered resistance in his life even jesus encountered resistance in his life but as these men relied on the holy spirit the resistance that they encountered in life it didn't weaken their faith But it only made them stronger in the name of Jesus. And I tell you today that some of you may be encountering resistance right now. And the enemy may may be throwing everything that he has against you. But I've got good news for you. The Bible says no weapon that is formed against you shall ever prosper. So the enemy has weapons. And he's going to unleash everything that he has against you. But the good news of the gospel is if you make Jesus number one in your life. And you're hooked up to him. None of the enemy's weapons will prosper against you in the name of Jesus can somebody say amen and so as you encounter resistance in life it's not going to weaken you it's only going to make you stronger the resistance that you encounter in life it should do nothing but only fuel the fire that's on the inside of you that says whatever it is the enemy's throwing my way whatever battle it is that he's trying to come against me with I'm not gonna lose but I'm, I'm not gonna fall short of my assignment the victory already belongs to me and the devil is under my feet in the name of Jesus but the question you have to ask yourself in the midst of resistance is this will I rely on my own ability or will I rely on the power of God? Because I said it just a few moments ago, the results that you experience in life are gonna be directly connected to where you place your trust. So that's why, as children of God, you have got to learn to not always believe what your five senses are telling you. You see, many people allow what they see to be greater than the Word of God, and because many have encountered, and because many allow what they see to be greater than the Word of God, many of them have encountered unnecessary struggles. How? By allowing what they see to be greater than, the, than God's Word. But I've come to tell you tonight that in the midst of what you're going through, in the midst of how you may be feeling tonight, no matter how great the devil may make himself look like in your life, There is not one thing that the enemy has that the power of God is not able to take care of right now. For some of you, if sin is your problem, then the blood of Jesus can break the power of sin that is over your life. If sickness and disease is your situation, then the power of God can heal you tonight in Jesus' mighty name. But it all comes down to where you place your trust. One places his trust in man's system, the other places his trust on God's system. One places his trust on the Word of God, and the other places his trust on doctors. Now listen, I don't know if there's any doctors in here or if anybody's on medication here. I don't have anything against doctors, and I don't have anything against medication, but there is a greater power than the natural medicine that we take. There is a greater power than doctors. Can somebody say amen? Proverbs chapter four, verse 20, says the medicine, that God's word is medicine unto our body. And the Bible says in Proverbs four that God's word brings life to those who find them, and God's word is healing to their whole body. And so as the word of God is being preached tonight, The Word of God penetrates each and every single one of your spirits. And as God's Word penetrates your spirits, what you're actually receiving, it's God's medicine. Can somebody say amen? And as you receive God's medicine, you're receiving a daily dose of the power of God that will break the stronghold of sin and and drive away every manner of sickness and disease away from your body. Because when God's word is being preached, there is always a power that accompanies the word of God. And I believe that power is present today in this building to save, set free, to heal, and to deliver. Can somebody say amen? See, in Luke's gospel, chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says Jesus was teaching. And as Jesus was teaching, the Bible says the power of the Lord was present to heal. Jesus was teaching the Word of God. And the Bible says, if He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, then if that power was present when the Word of God was being taught, then that very same power is present tonight. Can somebody say amen? So the Bible says that God watches over His Word to perform it. And so when you preach God's Word, God watches over his word, and if you preach something according to the word of God, the Bible says that God confirms his word. But it takes somebody to believe the word of God. And so if you can believe, no matter how great your situation may be, because I hear a lot of people say, well, preacher, you just don't understand how great my situation is, how big my problem is. Well, if you can believe God to do something big in your life, and if you're bold enough and big enough to say it, then let me encourage you today. The God you serve is big enough to make it happen in your life in Jesus' mighty name. Because the Bible says he is able to do what? Exceeding abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. So that's why you've got to make room for the word of God in your life. Because when you make room for the word of God in your life, you know what you're doing? You're making room for the power of God to freely flow in your life. And when you make room for his power, then every harassing spirit that seeks to torment your life and to harass you, it has to be broken, and it has to come under the authority of the name of Jesus. Because let me tell you what, when you're hooked up to Jesus, you're not positioned to lose. When you're hooked up to Jesus, you're positioned to win. And that's the beauty of the born-again nature, because when you become born-again, Not only does God forgive and forget your sins, but the Bible says he also positions you to have constant victory over every stronghold of life. And I'm going to show you how he positions you. Because the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's far above every power and far above every principality. Now how many people believe that in Ephesians 1? That Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father and the Bible says he is far above every power and far above every Principality and a lot of people in the church They don't have a problem believing that because he's Jesus what a lot of people have a problem believing is Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 that we when we become born again when we become God's sons and become God's daughters The second chapter of Ephesians tells us that God positions us in heavenly places with the Lord Jesus Christ. So the very location where Jesus is at, at the right hand of the Father, far above every power and far above every principality, when you become born again, that's that's where God positions you. And so not only is Jesus far above every power, Principality. What that means is as a child of God, you too are far above every power and far above every principality in the name of Jesus. Now I know some people may be thinking, Well, I'm suffering with this condition. I'm not saying that you're suffering with the I'm not saying that you're not suffering with the condition. I'm not saying that you're not encountering any battles in life. But what I am telling you is this as a child of God, you are far above not only every devil, but you are also far above every world and every assignment and plan that the enemy throws your way and so if you're far above then there's no absolutely no way that you can lose while you are here in this life when you became born again God positioned you in heavenly places so that you could come out victorious in every situation can somebody say amen so you see coming to God it's not about setting you up to fail through life you know one of the things one of my biggest pet peeves or that really bothers me is when people come to Christ and then all of a sudden you know whether it be the preacher or whether it be like the altar workers well I just want you to know now that you come to Jesus life's only gonna get harder life's only gonna get more difficult the enemy is gonna attack you I'm like the person just came to Christ And now you're telling them when they came out of a life that was like like being defeated one right after the other, losing every battle. Now that they come to Christ, you're telling them that life is going to get worse, that it's only going to get harder. But my friend, if that's haven't been spoken to you or spoken over your life, I'm going to contradict what every religious voice has said in the past. Because when you come to Christ, life doesn't get harder. When you come to Christ, life gets easy. Why? Because you're hooked up to Jesus. When you hook yourself up to Jesus, he's not going to position you in life to lose. He's going to position you to win in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? So coming to Christ. It's not about God setting you up to fail, but coming to Christ is about God positioning you to walk in victory over every work and over every agent of hell in the name of Jesus. And so when the enemy tries to attack your mind and tries to come at you with his weapons and tries to attack you in life, you need to remind yourself and you need to remind the devil that you are seated in heavenly places with the Lord Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? You see, you ever hear of that phrase, If life throws you lemons, then make lemonade. I hate that stupid phrase. Hate it. If life throws you lemons, then make lemonade. You know what I tell people? If life throws you lemons, you throw the lemons of life right back at them. Because listen, you weren't made for the lemons of life. You were made for the best of what God has to offer you. Can somebody say amen? The Bible says I can be confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord while I'm in the land of the living. Another word for that word goodness is the best. So what God, what, what David was saying is, you can be confident that you will see the best of what God has to offer while you are here in the land of the living. But not only can you be confident that you'll see the best, but the Bible says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. So I don't know about you, I expect to see the best of what God has to offer me. A few months ago, for those of you that I'm friends with on Facebook or follow our ministry, you probably have seen in the last little while, my wife and I sold our first home and we bought another home. I knew that the Lord was expanding our ministry and so I knew it was time for us to leave. We had two bedrooms in the old house, I have a son and I have a daughter. My son is six years old. He's going to be seven in, in June. My daughter is going to be four in July. How many of us know that they're getting to that age when they shouldn't be sharing the same room? And uh, actually, they, they weren't sharing the same room. I, I'm, I'm gone most of the time. They jump in my, wife, in my bed. And then when I get home to go to bed, you know, I I feel like this little adult male Mexican jumping right beside me. And I'm like, man, get you a bed, son. But they're so used to jumping in it, but we needed to expand our home. And so we put our house on the market. And so my wife and I, you know, I had two things that I wanted the house to have. My wife had a list of like 15 things. I would be happy with two things. She has a list and she wants 15 things. And like I told her, I said, you women in your lists. Like, it's like never ending. You have to have everything on the list. I said, just, you know, compromise. My wife, I'm not compromising. I kind of felt a little bit convicted when she said that. But all I wanted was two things. And so we put our house on the market. And after we put our house on the market, we had, you know, some people coming to look at our house. And we had to go look at other houses, houses that we were interested in buying. But, you know, when you walk into a house, if you've ever shopped for a home, went out into the market you know as soon as you step into the house if this is gonna be your house or not and my wife you know she had like she knew she forget what my opinion was as soon as she walked into the house if she didn't like the house then I wasn't buying the house it doesn't matter how much I liked it you know she knew as soon as she walked right in through the front door whether the house was ours or not and so we looked at so many houses and every house and I thought "Oh, this is a nice house we can we can work with this you know we can compromise here and my wife's like no this isn't the house and I told the realtor well I guess this is in the house and so one day one day we I was looking online and I saw this house and I said I, I called over to Mary and I said we need to go look at this house I said this is a, a nice it looks nice you know a lot of times the houses look nice on, on online And then when you go there, it's like a crack house, you know, and you're like, I'm not moving in here. But we wanted the right neighborhood. I wanted something where I can expand my ministry, where I had an extra room, because what I really wanted to do is I wanted to do, I wanted my own TV studio, so that we can start doing live streams on Facebook. And then after that, start there, start small, and take it to a a bigger scale, a bigger level. And, uh, And so I told my wife, let's go look at this house. So we walked into the house. And I kid you not, the moment we walked in there, Marianne was like, this is the house. This is the house. I said, easy. I said, all we've seen is the living room. Let's look at the rest of the house. And uh, as we were looking at, at the house, I kept thinking in my spirit, you know, yeah, this is the house. Maybe I should have listened to her, you know? This is the house. And so the house, like 3,500 square feet, has like five bedrooms, has an extra room, has first floor and second floor completely done the house was built in 2004 so you know we're in 2018 right so the house is only 14 years old everything in the house is top of the line perfect and so you know when I looked at it it has four acres of land uh my wife just texted me a couple days ago and she said guess what just came out of our, ba- our backyard I said well she's like a bear and so, you know, uh, you know I, I'm used to seeing, like, when, I first, when we get, I look at my backyard, I'm like, wow, you know, living in the country is a little bit different than living in the city because the squirrels in the city, they're small. But the squirrels in the country, they look like deer, and they're, they're huge, you know, like 25 of them in my backyard, 150 turkeys in the backyard. And so, you know, I knew, like, I knew this was the house that we wanted. So we made an offer, you know, 14 years old. The house, 3,500 square feet, four acres of land. I could only imagine what a house like that goes for here in, in the, the Toronto area. I bought. You know what I bought that for? I bought that for $179,000. They gave it to me. $179,000. Ah, you shouldn't tell people your business, how much you say. I don't care. That was a steal. $179,000. But... Before it even got to that point, we looked at the house and the la- we told the lady we said listen, we want to make an offer on the house. She took the well you know, we we lowballed it. It was already lowballed, low-balled enough. And so we went we went even lower and they counter offered with, "No, our counter offer is a full $179,000." I said, fine, You got it." But I told her I said, "We still have to sell our house." And she said, "Okay, I'll give you 45, I'll give you 45 days." to sell your house she says but there's there's a contingent that you uh that you sell your house in the 45 days or if somebody else comes in and gives me a better offer then I'm going to break the contract with you and I'm going to take their offer and I said all right only fair you know people want their money and uh so we have people coming to look at our house and uh person after person would walk into our house and they would say wow this is a lot of potential this is a beautiful home and I heard like 15 people say that and my realtor called me up one one, uh, final time and said well the person that just came to look at your house they said it has a lot of potential it's a beautiful home and he said this house is not going to be on the market for too long and I told I said you know what I've been hearing that now for the last four months I need to hear, I don't need to hear my house is beautiful. I don't need to hear, well, it's got a lot of potential. I need to hear somebody say, hey, here's the offer. This is the offer that I'm going to make on the house. And so we had 45 days to get this house sold. On day, I had somebody come to look at my house now on day 45. On day 44, somebody went and looked at the house, my house that I wanted. They went and looked at the house and they made an offer to, to the seller. Now on day that was on day 44, on day 45, I had somebody coming to look at my house. The seller decides to call me up and break the contract with me, and I said, "Listen, I got somebody coming to look at my house tomorrow." And she said, "Well, I understand that, but there's no guarantee that they're going to make an offer on your house." And there's no guarantee that if I say no to them, that they won't find another house that they like better. And so I have to take this offer now and put it on the contract. And so she broke the contract with us. And when people, you know, this happened right right after Christmas. You talk about hearing some discouraging news before Christmas. And so right after Christmas, this happened. And so a lot of people, when they were asking us, like, even in my home church, and you know, this this is not online, is it? No, okay. It's not live. It's gonna be live. It's gonna be online. Oh, it's all right. Oh, oh that's fine. And so you know, because I don't want, because I know some some people in my family will listen to. It, but I have people in my family. You know, they would say to me all the time. They would give me the same religious answer all the time. You know what they would say? This would they. Maybe you've heard it too. Uh, well, it mean. You know, it just means God has something better for you. No, God doesn't have anything better for me. That's the best that God had for me. And it would. You know. And if you say that, then it nullifies Mark chapter 11. The Bible says you can speak to the mountain. And and if you speak to the mountain, it has to be removed. The Bible says whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And so I told people, I didn't set my faith for any other house. I set my faith for that house. And so I remember preaching in Vermont in January. What I did was on January 1st, you know, a lot of people start off the new year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so I went 21 days. I prayed and I fasted. Now, I didn't pray 21 days specifically, you know, for the Lord to reverse the situation and give us back that house. You know, I prayed and fast like I do every year uh, at the beginning of the year to, to kill, you know, to kill the flesh. So I decreased. God increases in my life. But I will be honest with you. During those 21 days of prayer and fasting, I did pray, Lord, reverse this situation in the name of Jesus. And so I started praying that, you know. Father, reverse it in the name of Jesus. I kept saying, you know, every time we would drive by the house on our way to church, I would constantly say, Lord, thank you for that house in Jesus' name. My realtor would call me up and she would say, hey, Nathan, I've got a couple of houses lined up for us to go look at. And I would say, well, what about that house in Corinth, Maine? And she would say, Nate, you can forget about that house. She's all like, at that price, it's not going to come back to you. And I would constantly ask her every other day. I think she got annoyed with me. If you were my realtor, you would have been annoyed with me too. Because I would call her up, I would text her up, and I would tell her, hey, What about that house? Any new news on that house? No, Nathan, no new news on the house. The house isn't coming back to you. And I said, we'll we'll see about that. So for 21 days, I kept praying, Lord, I thank you for that house. I thank you that's the house that you're giving my wife and I so that we can expand our ministry, we can expand our family. And when I say expand our family, I'm not saying like have more kids. I'm done with kids. Two kids is enough for me. A son and a daughter, that's good enough for me. But I said, I know you're expanding our ministry and expanding our life. and I thank you for that home. It got to the point that I would call that house into existence all the time, that when my son, when we would drive by it, My son would look at it, and he would say, hey, Daddy, there's our new home. And so my son son started speaking that into existence. So I prayed for 21 days. And so I had somebody come and look at my house. Uh, You know, the lady that came and looked at my house on day 45, well, she came back a week later, and she wanted to look at the house again. So when people come back and, you know, they look at the house uh, a second time, then, you know, that's saying something good, this potential. So then, another week goes by after she looks at it the second time, and she wants to come and look at the house a third time. And I told my wife, I said, she's coming to look at it a third time. I said, it must mean she's ready to make a decision. So finally, she made a decision. On the 20th, 21st day of my prayer and fasting, she made a decision, and she put an offer to our home. And we said, we'll take the offer. We told her that we still needed to find a house though and so she didn't know that because we didn't you know we didn't tell her and so she said well I had no idea you guys didn't have a home to, to move into she said, well she's like my offer stands only for 10 days though she's all like if you don't find a home within 10 days then I'm gonna break the contract with you guys and I'm gonna look for a different house well the other one gave me 45 days this one's not giving me 10 days. The days are going shorter and shorter and shorter. But, you know, it doesn't matter if it's 10 days or if it's 45 days, whatever it is, it's still more than enough time that God needs. And so she made that, she made that offer on day 21. On the day I broke my prayer and fasting, probably an hour after I broke the, my prayer and fasting, I ate some Portuguese bread, pop six, that's what we call it. Ate the Portuguese bread, put it in my mouth. And I remember just thinking about it. I said, man, I said, this Portuguese bread tastes better right now than it probably would have tasted 21 days ago. Now, after not eating for 21 days, people say, what kind of prayer and fasting did you do? I did a biblical one. I stayed away from food. And so I, I, I ate the bread, and an hour later, I get a phone call from my realtor. And she's all like, Nate, you are never going to believe this. I said, honey, try me. I said, I'm in the business of believing the impossible. She saw like, well, you know how you, she, kept, she said, you know how you kept annoying me with asking about that house in Corinth? She said, are you interested? I said, am I interested in what? I said, buying the house? I said, yeah. She's like, well, she said, the house has come back on the market. I said, what happened? She said, well, the buyers were giving the seller a hard time. And I said, they were. She said, yeah, they wanted everything in the house fixed. They even wanted like new doorknobs in, 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 on the doors. And they wanted new moldings. Well, the house has been lived in for 14 years. You know, it, of course there's gonna be some wear and tear in it. It's nothing, I'm Portuguese, nothing a little paint can't take care of and make it look brand new. Can somebody say amen to that? I know there's a lot of Italians in here. There's nothing that you, you know, paint the, Paint goes a long way. Take paint, it goes a long way. And I, I said, yeah, I'm interested. And she said, well, she said, the, buy, the, the buyers are giving the seller a hard time. They want everything in the house fixed. They had an inspection done in the home. None of those things need to be fixed at all for, 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 the, for the sale of the house. But they're just nitpicky. They, they even want brand new carpet all downstairs. And the owner, you know, the, 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 the seller was just getting aggravated with them. And so she decided that she was gonna break the contract with them. And she said, I'm breaking the contract with this couple. And I want to sell my house back to the original couple that wanted my house. Well, here's the good news of the story. She didn't even know that our house had gone on the contract the day before. Because her realtor said that you're taking a big risk going back to that couple because they still have to sell a house. She says, well, I'm willing to take the risk. Well, what they didn't know is my house came on the contract the day before. So when they called us up and asked us if we wanted to buy the house, I said, I absolutely want to buy the house. But my realtor said, well, we can go and do another quick walkthrough before you decide whether or not you want to buy the house. I said, lady, I've been praying for this for 21 days. Ain't no need for me to go back through that house. I know this was the hand of God. And every person that said to me, well, maybe God's got something better for you. I went back to each and every single one of them. And I told them, listen, God had the best for me. And I started quoting that scripture. I'm confident that I'm going to see the best of what God has to offer me while I'm here in the land of the living. Can somebody say amen? And not only that. Like Paul Harvey says, the story gets even better. You know what it, they you know? What the buyer, the seller did? The seller said, you know, that other couple was annoying me so much, I didn't even want to fix anything for them. But because you guys are willing to buy my house back, after all the hassle that I put you guys through, everything that they wanted fixed, and everything that was on the inspection report that should get fixed but that it wasn't required, for the sale of the house I'm gonna fix everything back up for you guys and give it to you guys brand new you see when you when you live for God and when you're hooked up to Jesus he always has his hand over you in the name of Jesus you can expect I had my mind set that God was gonna give me that house and God gave us the house why because I knew that I was going to see the goodness of the Lord while I was in the land of the living. A lot of people think, well, I'll only see God's goodness, and I'll only see the best of what God has to offer me when I get to heaven. No. God, Jesus came, and he reversed the curse that was upon mankind so that you and I no longer have to live under the curse, but he came so that you and I can live life the way it was meant to be, so that we can eat of the good of the land. Can somebody say amen? Now there was a lot that went into that. Not only was there prayer and fasting that, that went into that, but I remember there was a gentleman by the name of Ted Shuttlesworth Sr., where he was he was doing something on Facebook Live, on a live stream, and he, you know he was taking, he was uh taking up an offering, and he said, Listen, I want you to wrap your faith around this seed. And he says, I want you to sow into the kingdom of God and sow what God speaks to you. And at that time, when he was challenging us to give something significant to the kingdom of God, I felt in my spirit what to give, something significant. And I told my wife, I said, this is really going to hurt if we like go with this, this amount of money. You know, it's really going to hurt. But let me tell you what, I realized that, that, was, that was the greatest lesson, buying that house, that was the greatest lesson that I've ever learned. Number one, on the words of your mouth, that there's power in the words that you speak, that... You know, you can have what you say. And then the second thing that I learned is the power of a seed. And when you sow generously into the kingdom of God, into kingdom work, when you take care of God's needs, when you take care of God's business, God will always take care of what you need. And so we sowed something significant into the kingdom of God. And it was only a matter of days before that house was transferred back into our family. Can somebody say amen? But let me give you the key to experiencing the goodness of God. All the days of your life, and I'm going to end with this because I want you guys to come back Sunday morning and Sunday night. I don't, I don't want you to think that I'm a long-winded preacher. You probably already think that, but it's all right. But I want to give you one principle to experiencing the goodness of God, all the days of your life, and that one principle is this: number one, you got to be in right standing with the Lord Jesus Christ, and number two, is obedience to the Word of God. The Bible says, if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. The Bible tells us in Psalms chapter 35, verse 37 Great is the Lord who delights blessings his servants with peace. Correct study of that word, peace. That's where we get it comes from. That's where we get the word, uh, it comes from the Hebrew word shalom, which is where we get our word prosperity from. So God delights in the prosperity of his servants. And Adam is a perfect example of this, that when God made them, when God formed them, and when God placed them in the garden, the Bible says that God also abundantly gave him everything that he needed in that garden. So when Adam was formed and created and placed in the garden, there was nothing lacking, nothing missing, and nothing broken in his life. And what God did by sending Jesus was he reversed the curse, because what happened was Adam even though he had nothing lacking, nothing missing, and nothing broken, he had everything that he ever needed. He lost everything. Why? Because of the, because of his disobedience to God's word. God said, do not eat from the fruit, the fruit of that tree. And what did Adam do? Adam ate of the fruit of the tree. And because he ate of the fruit, he, was, he, was, he rebelled against God. He was disobedient to God's word. And what did he do? He lost everything that God had given him. But thank God for the second Adam, who the Bible says is Jesus. And when jesus came back he did he he succeeded in everything that the first adam failed the second adam jesus he succeeded in doing everything that the word of god commanded and spoke of and so the bible says because jesus was obedient even till uh, until the point of death the bible says his sacrifice on the cross reversed the curse that was upon him so that you And I can now experience our own Garden of Eden here in the world. So, even though this world system may be broken and this world system may be messed up, you and I, as a child of God, the Bible says we can experience our own Garden of Eden here uh, on the earth where there is nothing lacking, nothing missing, and nothing broken. And that, you know, and that goes for every area of life. Not only in your finances, but in your spiritual walk with the Lord, in your body. What good would it be if you were a millionaire, but you were dying of cancer? And what good would it be, you know, if you had no cancer, but yet you were broke, busted, and disgusted, and you, you know, you just walked around begging everybody for money? God does not, God God's desire is not for you to be a beggar and God's desire and will is not for you to be bound by sickness and disease or to be bound by any addiction at all. But Jesus came so that you can be set free from the power of sin he came to redeem you from the curse and the curse is what it's eternal separation from God it's poverty and its sickness and disease and so but one of the things that we must do in order to experience God's goodness in every area of our life is we need to walk in obedience to the Word of God for example here in Deuteronomy chapter 28 a lot of people you know they'll talk about the negatives of why you need to come you know, they'll try. At, at some point in my life or in my ministry, I used to do this too. I used to try to scare people into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But I no longer try to scare people into a personal relationship with Jesus. I'm not going to tell them, you know, the negatives. You know, they should know about the negatives too. But I'm going to tell them about the positives. That when you're hooked up to Jesus, when you walk in obedience to his word, then you, you have the upper hand in every situation in life. And so when you walk in obedience to God's Word, Deuteronomy chapter 28, this is what what it says. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all of His commands that I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. The Bible says all these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Whether you live in Toronto, Ontario... Or whether you live in Corinth, Maine out in the country like I do, listen to what the Bible says. You will be blessed in the city and you will be blessed in the country. You'll be blessed when you come in and you will be blessed when you go out. Can somebody say amen? And listen to what the Bible says that when the blessing of God comes upon you, when it comes upon your home, when it comes upon your body through you know divine health, when it comes upon your finances, Verse 10 says, then all the peoples on the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The blessing of God that is on your life is evidence that you are a child of the Most High God. When people look at you who have no understanding of the scriptures, have no relationship with God, they will come to one conclusion only, that the reason you live the way that you live And that you're blessed the way that you're blessed is because you serve Jehovah God. You serve Jehovah Jireh, the God who is your provider. And you serve Almighty God. Can somebody say amen? So when you walk in obedience to God's word, God has no other option but to release a blessing upon you. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 13 is probably one of my favorite scriptures in the the Old Testament. It says, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top and you will never be at the bottom. I think some of you need to get that revelation tonight. You will always be at the top. You will never Ever be at the bottom? Everybody has Facebook. I remember growing up, people always used to say, you know, that television is the devil's tool to try to get into into the homes of the people here on the earth, and which is true. There's a lot of bad stuff on television. There's also a lot of good things on television. But the people who say that television is the devil's tool are also the very first people that will believe everything they see or hear coming from the television this past week a minister of the gospel was asking for $54 million so that he can buy a brand new jet and fly all over the world now listen I don't have a jet, why? I don't fly all over the world. I have a car. And people are getting mad because he wants to fly around in a jet. And I'm reading the comments of all these people that are speaking, right? And half of them, not even half of them, 99% of them, have no clue what they're talking about. Well, if he had taken that $54 million and given it to starving children or to churches that need it, Do you know how much this one minister of the gospel has already poured into the kingdom of God to see God's kingdom advance here on the earth? He's asking for a jet. You know why? Because he preaches in New York City on a Sunday morning. And then he could be out in California on a Sunday night preaching the gospel. And then he goes to Zimbabwe, then he goes to India, then he goes to Chile, then he goes to Barbados, then he goes to Brazil, into Italy, and he goes to Portugal to preach the gospel. His ministry is now limited. Me saying, why does he need a jet? Why doesn't he just use a car? Would be the same stupid response that somebody would tell me. Well, why do you need a car to drive all the way to Toronto? Why don't you just use your mountain bike? Because it's a a lot more work. It would take me, I wouldn't make it to Toronto in time for the service. I would have had to, by the way I ride a bike, I would have had to take it off from my house like two and a half months ago to make it in time for tonight's service. As you can tell, I'm not one that likes to exercise. I've lost a lot of weight, but it had nothing to do with exercise. It just had to do with eating right. And putting good food into, into my body instead of the Twinkies and the Ho-Hos and the Nutty Bars that I used to eat. <laughs> so now I eat my vegetables. what's so hard to understand that god doesn't have second best for you god has the best for you and david said i'm confident that i will see the best of what god has to offer me while i'm in the land of the living a lot of us have this mindset that you know maybe not for me maybe for somebody else no yes for you you're the apple of god's eye you're god's son you're god's daughter my son He can ask me for anything. My wife says, you're like the good parent, and I'm the bad parent. She said, they keep asking me for things, and I say, no. You come back home from trips, and you come bearing gifts, because I love my children. I was in Holland. I brought, you know, I'm not a Holland soccer fan, but because I was in Holland, I brought back the, the Holland national team jersey, so my son could wear it. I brought my daughter couple of stuffed animals. And I bought her some wooden shoes. The Dutch wear wooden shoes. It's the funniest thing ever. Wooden shoes. So I brought some back for my daughter. I'm going to come back bearing gifts. Why? Because I love my kids. They didn't even have to ask for it. You know what? My kids, they just expect when daddy gets home, he's got something for me. And so when you come to church, you should just expect That God has something for you. Hallelujah. Can somebody say amen? Expectation of what you're believing for is the key. Expect big things from God. There was a gentleman by the name of A.A. Allen, a preacher from a long time ago, and he said, believe big, think big, speak big, and God will do big. How many people need God to do something big In their life tonight how many people are believing for the hand of God to intervene in your situation because if you believe and expect Him to move in your life then God is gonna show up and he's gonna show off in the name of Jesus why we sing that song he's a good good father he's a good father you know what I've realized we can sing a lot of things but once we begin to preach it get this look on their face like they were baptized in lemon juice or something like that. It only sounds good when we sing about it. Hill songs, years ago, when I first got saved, I used to listen to a lot of Hill songs. That's what everybody was listening to at the time. I think a lot of people are still listening to them right now. But I've moved on past Hill songs, and I like other I like other groups now. But they used to sing a song back in the day when I was in Bible college. So blessed. I just can't contain or faith i can move mountains but the moment a preacher gets behind the pulpit and starts preaching on the blessing of god everybody gets upset everybody gets angry and what i've realized is this in my services the greatest request even going online going on facebook and people commenting on the video streams on the live stream what do you need prayer for what do you you need god to do in your life Just about everybody says, I need a financial miracle in my life. But yet they get upset when the preacher starts talking about it. I know I'm in Canada, but one time I was in Canada and you know what somebody told me? A guy you preachers from America, all you preach preach is that prosperity gospel. That's an American-made gospel. Let me tell you what, that is not an American-made gospel. Jesus said, I have come, That you may have life and have that more abundantly. In the Amplified Version it says, so that you would have the overflow of God in your life. I don't know about you, but I want to live in the overflow of what God has for me. Because I understand that when God starts overflowing my life with the best, And with his goodness, it's because there's a lost and dying world out there that needs the touch of God in their life. And I've made up my mind years ago, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. And wherever you want me to go, I'll go. And if it means telling people that you have the very best for them, if it means telling people that they were created to live in victory and not in defeat, God, I'll do it because a lot of people think it's an easy gospel to preach. But be in my shoes for 24 hours. Be in my shoes for a month. And you'll understand that it's not an easy gospel to preach. Because you'll have people that'll 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 inbox you on Facebook and say, I hope you die. I hope you lose everything. I hope somebody killed you. I've had people threaten me on my life on Facebook because of the gospel that I preach, because I preach that Jesus is a healer, that Jesus made a way for you to live in victory, that Jesus didn't come so that you can live defeated, but he came so that you can have the best and experience the very best that he has for you in life. And for some of you today, you need the best of what God has to offer to you. And I'm just bold enough to unite my faith with yours and see that happen. In the name of Jesus, can somebody say amen? Lift your hands all across this auditorium. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for signs and wonders. And I thank you, Lord, for touching bodies right now. In the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for setting people free. I thank you, Lord, for breaking strongholds. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and sing that a few times. Go ahead, if you're here, just lift your voice and begin to praise God. Begin to worship God. And as you begin to praise and worship God, the presence of God comes into your situation. He reverses every attack of the enemy. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And tonight you leave here with the victory. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it. So as we sing this a few times, remain in this attitude of spirit of praise. and Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.